0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. We are live. We are on the air. I am still holed up in my Blizzard bunker 2016. Hashtag. Hashtag. If you're in the D.C. area, I hope that you're um, safe and sound and dug out. Um, uh, this is the last show from the bunker. I'll be home. I'll be back in my usual studio tomorrow and we'll have a uh, resuming res- uh, regular service, although this will be a fine show today. You take your phone calls on a host of topics uh, around the soccer world. Uh, just looking at uh, the news rundown, obviously a full weekend in Europe we're getting mls training camps underway we've got some some scuttle from that arena and and one potential high profile absent uh, absentee will not be absent as a matter, matter of fact <clears throat> so that's interesting news out of the mls circles uh we've got uh, again we've got uh, the us women's national team in action this weekend uh we've got the ongoing build up to the us men's national team for, uh, january friendlies uh the fallout from jordan morris's decision i guess it's fallout is it fair to call what what the jordan morris situation a fallout at this point i mean it's a good thing for mls it's a good thing for for the seattle sounders we sort of debated the approach the sounders have taken to proclaiming uh jordan morris the next great american star or mls doing so certainly riding the coattails of a player who's done nothing on the professional stage it's not his fault that he's being used as a as a pr tool here but maybe we can go into a little bit of that uh, uh of that approach from the league and from the team up in Seattle and yeah, debate whether or not it's the right thing to do for Jordan Morris in his career. Uh so your phone calls coming up in uh, just a little while. Let's start with the Premier League weekend Chelsea beating Arsenal 0-1 1-0 at the Emirates A goal by Diego Costa. Per M- Mertesacker sent off uh Diego Costa uh, baiting Per Mertesacker maybe uh, certainly there's uh, you know, this is a guy. Diego Costa is a guy who knows how to take advantage of a situation. Has done so many times before. Arsene Wenger, very cir- circumspect in the aftermath, saying, hey, look, this is just this is what it is. It's what Costa does. And Arsenal, uh, deflated a little bit by that loss, uh, to Chelsea at home. Leicester goes top because of that Arsenal loss and their own win. 3 nothing over uh, Stoke City. Jamie Vardy scoring again, uh, for the Foxes as they, Jump back to the top of the table in the English Premier League it continues to be a fascinating uh, battle for the top spot. Does anybody really want to take it uh, maybe that's not how we should look at it maybe we should look at it. This is a difficult league with a um, no clear great team in two thousand and sixteen is making for some high drama. I very much enjoy it uh, fans boo as you as G, uh, Manchester United excuse me loses um, a one nothing decision to Southampton at uh, at old Trafford Louis van Gaal lamenting after the game. That he is unable to meet the fans' expectations. Everyone's, uh, everyone's disappointed there. Uh, at, uh Odo, at Old Trafford, I'm very disappointed. I cannot reach the expectations of the fans. They have or they had great expectations of me. I cannot fill them, so I'm very frustrated. Uh, it was first United's, uh, United's first loss since Boxing Day, but they're uh, they're obviously having trouble there. Working out the performances, working out the best team, scoring goals, doing all of those things that required. Uh, that are required in order to win games and challenge for a Champions League spot, uh, where certainly, uh, Manchester United wants to be. Uh, let's see, uh, last but not least here, when there's a, again, a host of results from the Premier League weekend, we can get into some of that later on with the phone calls. But the game of the weekend was that 5 4 thriller that Liverpool won over in Norwich at Carroll Road. Uh, Louis Van Hall going absolutely bonkers in the aftermath of that game, losing his glasses. It's quite the scene. Liverpool. Clearly not a, a great team, not a, maybe not even a, a very good team at this point. Jurgen Klopp working, uh, the squad that he inherited from Brendan Rodgers, and we'll see whether or not they can, you know, push on here in 2016. But really what we're doing is setting the stage for Jurgen Klopp's 20, uh, 2016, 2017 team. Uh, but if you have that passion and that moment, uh, from Jurgen Klopp, it's, it's obvious why, uh, fans around the world love the guy. All right, back in MLS, and this is what I was uh, alluding to. Well, Didier Drogba will return to the Montreal Impact for the 2016 season. We have some sort of resolution here. Um, it, it did look for a time like Drogba was going to join Chelsea. Uh, I've heard, I've, I've, read some speculative legal uh, analysis of this, uh, that there may have been an issue. FIFA may have gotten interested in this situation because Drogba did have a contract, obviously, with the Impact. Um, there is, uh, there is no need to go over that anymore at this point. Drogba tweeted on, uh, on Sunday that he was headed to cut, uh, cut to Qatar to do some preparation work for preseason and he tagged the Montreal Impact. Now, Montreal is not in Qatar, uh, but he will join them in Florida coming up on the 15th of February for the second part of their training camp. Um, yeah. So, you know, Lakeeve had, it, 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 it being a, a foregone conclusion that Jarba would join Chelsea. He obviously heard the call of Chelsea. He showed up there. It's been some drama, but impact fans can rest easy knowing that Didier Jarba will be back in impact blue for 2016 and the MLS season. It does not have to, I mean, that means that Moro Bielo and company don't have to change course here in the middle of preseason before uh the, the, the campaign gets only underway in short order. Um, Juventus beats Roma 1-0 for their 11th straight Serie A victory. Juve now two points behind Napoli in the Serie A table. Napoli won away at Sampdoria 2-4. In La Liga, Real Madrid drops points uh, 1-1 away to Real uh, Betis. Zidane insists that Madrid can win the Spanish title despite being four points back right now and Barcelona having a game in hand, so it could stretch to seven should Barcelona win that game in hand. Barcelona themselves need a little bit of messy magic to overcome Malaga 1-0. Atleti fell flat against Sevilla. Could not score. Again, we talked to um, our friend David Cartledge last week on this show and he identified the problem with Atletico Madrid is that they need goals. It can't be Griezmann only. They need some other offensive firepower to to kick in here if they're going to have a chance to win this title uh, scoring as little as they do. The U.S. Women's National Team, as I mentioned, uh, beginning 2016 with a 5-0 romp over Ireland in San Diego on Saturday. Carly Lloyd Fresh off her win uh, as Player of the Year, scored a first-half hat trick before uh, exiting the stage. At which point, Mallory Pugh, the 17-year-old phenom that caused a stir when she apparently changed her mind about turning pro last, uh, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, uh, a week and a half ago at the NWSL draft, uh, scored in her first game, her first cap for the U.S. Women's National Team. A very nice uh, headed goal, crashing the the near post and getting on the end of something there. So, Mallory Pugh. Scoring, uh, 17 years old. Scoring for the best team in the world. Pretty fantastic stuff. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, looks like the phone line's gonna be open all day, all, all, all day, every day for you here on Soccer Morning. Serious? Nope, that's not right. WorldSoccerTalk.com. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with
1: Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning on a Monday, a very snowy Monday where I am. I'm sure it's not quite as snowy where you are, unless you're in the D.C. metropolitan area. I think the, uh, the total snowfall in, in, in the area I am right now was 24, and 23 inches, something like that. And back in my house where, or, or the studio... Uh, the, the 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 usual soccer morning studio. We got uh, 34, 34 inches of snow. Now, at some point, there's just no there's just too much snow. I mean, I, I don't mean that like oh my god, there's too much snow, we can't live our lives, the world is ending. I just mean at some point, the the, the 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 there's diminishing returns on the amount of snow that you're getting. Like if you're a kid, I imagine, and we all, if you grew up somewhere where there was snow, where winter was the thing, if you were in the Northeast or the Midwest, you probably you know desperately waited for those snow days. You wanted those snowstorms to hit, and you wanted there to be like, it depends on where you're from, obviously, because different towns are, are prepared for snow at a different level. i mean d c is some d c is a place that waffles between being prepared for snow and have, have no preparation for snow or, or being ready or being able to handle it because you know Chicago, a place that gets more snow more likely able to handle a lot of snow in, in, in a way that you know D.C. certainly can't. But if you, So if you live in Chicago, you, you, know, you know there needs to be a good amount of snow on the ground before they're going to cancel school. If you live in Minnesota, you know there needs to be a good amount of snow on the ground before they cancel school. If you live in Nashville or Memphis or Atlanta, you know it needs to be very little snow in order for school to be canceled. So it's, it's, it's obviously a sliding schedule, scale depending on where you live. I think at this point, I mean I'm sure there's some kids out out having a good time in this particular kind of snow, but like at this point it's just too much. <laughs> like you can't even walk anywhere you can't like and this is the thing I noticed uh you know watching, so I'm on on the twelfth floor uh, where I am, so I have a nice view of um a, a a pretty major road, so it's snowing like crazy, the plows are out, um, and we get kind of blizzard conditions through Saturday. It finally stops on on Saturday night but you get these this thing where because the roads are deserted and because there's so much snow that they've had to push it you know push it to the side of the road and, and mostly cover up any any uh sidewalks that are available or they that people walk down the middle of the road i don't first of all why are you walking in the sn- in a snowstorm anyway i don't really get that then why you're walking down the middle? It's not a zombie apocalypse show. It's it's you're not living Walking Dead. You don't get to just walk down the middle of the road because it seems like the world's deserted. Like I feel like that's what people are doing. They're living out their fantasy of of living in a in a post apocalyptic world. It's the closest we get when there's 30 inches of snow on the ground. 646-832-3909. <clears throat> Speaking of that snow, wouldn't it be lovely if there were soccer games right now? In this part of the country or in the world, well, they, they obviously you wouldn't be playing 30 inches of snow on the ground. But, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to overcome this somehow. Would this be the period of, for the, for the break? Like, would, would, look, we're talking about like, changing the MLS schedule in the United States and Canada to line up better with the world, to get the, the playoffs in a better part of the year. And I, and I see all the positives there. I really do. But are we talking about like taking the winter break in January? Like, I feel like January would be the, the time to take the break. Like the So the Bundesliga stops at roughly mid-December and comes back, you know, roughly mid-January, right? They just started, just came back. The Bundesliga just came back uh, this past weekend, I think. So roughly a month from, you know, uh, through the holiday period into the third week of, Janu- of January. MLS, maybe same thing or push it a little bit deeper. Like, I, I want to know where this break needs to be and how long should that break be? should be a month or should we go longer than that for those proponents of the schedule switch 6468323909 because you can't obviously i mean you can't account for these kinds of storms i mean you can't you can't assume that they're going to happen and that's why you don't schedule your you don't pull, you don't switch the schedule if you really want to switch the schedule then you have to figure out a way around some of the winter weather regardless is what i'm saying if it's making any sense whatsoever and and maybe you know, look dc is hit new york is hit how much did new york get how much snow did you get trevor because i know there was significance in my, i saw people you know snowboarding behind cars you know in the middle of manhattan that okay we're we're cool we're putting this on our youtube channel i can i can snowboard through manhattan i'm sure that's legal Um let's see. Thirty inches of snow, Trevor says. Yeah, so they got they got hit. I I didn't think New York was supposed to get hit like that, but they surely did. Uh Mike on Twitter, we have not we have a winter break. It's called the MLS off season. Okay, so Mike's not obviously not on board for a schedule switch. Now my friend Bodur says I'm i uh, I'm figuring maybe two months. A winter break would be longer than the summer off season. Weird, but I think it works. Uh yeah, you have but that's that's what I'm saying. Like so for all the good a schedule switch does, and I and again I get it, I get the the reasons behind it. I still think that you have a cultural problem in getting people to accept the notion they're supposed to go out and watch soccer in November, or well, I, I guess December, and 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 man, see that's the thing. I guess it really wouldn't change anything. So maybe maybe my argument is in terms of culture uh, culture change isn't necessary. Maybe I can't even make it. Maybe it doesn't stand up. 'Cause if you're breaking from if you're breaking through December and January, is that or are we talking about like like a mid December to mid February break. Maybe that's what we're talking about. That might work. Let's go to Nelly down in Texas. Hey Nelly.
0: Hey Jason. Well, uh, I wanted to talk about FC Dallas. Uh huh. And the great we're doing this off season. I wonder MLS teams to take a note and see that. A veteran DP star is not needed. The the job that Fernando Clavijo and Oscar Pereira are doing are great. They took a 20-year-old Ecuadorian national player who was the second second youngest starter in the World Cup. He, they convinced him to come to MLS. Mm-hmm. Now, it's amazing. We needed a holding midfielder. And the work that Clavijo and Pereja has done has just been phenomenal. They've taken these young guys, developed them. It, it's just amazing to me.
1: All right. Well, I mean, full credit to FC Dallas. And you're talking about Carlos Grezo, right? The uh, kid from Stuttgart, 20-year-old yeah. 20, uh, 20, 20 midfielder. Um, and as you said, um, he was the fourth-youngest player at the, World, at the World Cup. He was the second-youngest to start a match. Uh, he's made ten appearances for Ecuador since twenty fourteen, um, and and yeah, I mean the fact that you get um, a a kid with that much potential to join up with MLS at this point out of a very you know obviously Stuttgart's in the Bundesliga. It's a very good league. He had probably had a, a bright future there, um, but maybe it's a maybe it's a matter of you know the playing time, the competition, and and uh, hey, I don't know. But this is a this is obviously a big move for Dallas.
0: Yeah, Pereja, you know, he was the assistant coach here under uh, Shellas. and I-, I think Pereja being here is a big reason why Castillo hasn't left. Pareja, mm-hmm. they call him Pops.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's been a-, a father figure to all these guys, to Tesho, to Zimmerman, uh, even Mauro Diaz. He's, he's, Mauro Diaz has kind of had his little rebel time, but... He's kind of calmed down. Castillo, when he came into the league, he was a young, shy, 18-year-old. Pereja took him to his house, and he stayed in his house. And Pereja has just been a heck of a job. When he left to Colorado, I was a bit fat. Mm-hmm. But then when I heard that he wanted to come back to Dallas, I'm like, this is great. We're going to go far with him. And just the job that Clavito has done as the director has been amazing. You know, and there's still rumors of, of Carlos Vela still coming in. I don't see it. But Clevijo is still out there looking for a forward. because We need a forward. And we have had older veterans come in. You know, you had a Blas Perez. Now we have Mina Figueroa. Mm-hmm. But they have mixed so well with the young stars. And, and just the role that our academy is doing with the homegrown players has been amazing. I mean, people call it MLS retirement age, and I'm one of the first guys to say no. My team, FC Dallas, is not a retirement team that that takes the veterans, and the proof is there. We've had rumors of Michael Edson coming in uh, when Ivory Coast was training in Dallas before the World Cup. Mm. The Hunts were trying to convince D. D. or Drogba to come in. I'm kinda yeah. glad that didn't that didn't happen.
1: Well, I mean look, they 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 have built a culture at FC Dallas and and it it's happened pretty quickly. I mean, th- those Shells uh, those Hyman teams uh Nelly were pretty blah team. I mean, you had Breck Shea on them. Uh can't be completely blah, but they were pretty bra- blah teams. They weren't really they didn't really get you going, right? I mean, it's not like Shellis played the most uh, expansive brand of soccer and you didn't have i don't know there was just something about the, the, the team that made the MLS Cup final in 2010 who, who was... i mean maybe you yeah. can, maybe you can name uh, some of the players from that team but i just don't i don't i don't think of that team as as anything i mean that, that whole world that whole uh, MLS Cup was pretty disappointing well you had david
0: ferrero the mvp you know he okay was yeah a david, big star. david
1: david ferrero absolutely uh, re- measures up yeah so so david Ferreira. and and that was that was pre that was pre injury right so yeah the i i I take yeah. your point there, go ahead,
0: yeah, i mean and you know yeah the the Hyman team was it was good there were there was some defense missing there, uh but if we don't win the the n l s cup this year, i mean I think we should we've gone pretty far <laughs> all right that's we good. have a pretty great future with saha. And and
1: Clavijo. Yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe, it's, um, maybe it's uh maybe it's. By the way, uh, congratulations to Clavijo on on uh, his cancer going into remission. That's big news for him. Yeah,
2: um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. The, uh,
1: yeah. the 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 2010 team. Maybe I'm just not. Maybe I'm just not giving Shellis enough credit. I I guess I could. I should. That, that 2010 MLS Cup was just kind of. Uh, it was. I don't know. It, just, it wasn't a whole lot of sexy there. But I mean, but you had. Uh, You had Heath Pierce, you had Jair Benitez, you had, uh, uh, Jeff Cunningham, David Ferreira, as you mentioned, uh, Eric Avila, Dax McCarty, George John, uh, Zach Lloyd, Breck Shea were on that team, as I I mentioned, Breck Shea. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Marvin Chavez was on that team. So, Uh yeah, there there were some, there Uh were some, some good, uh, some good players. But, uh, but certainly not the, again, the culture wasn't where FC Dallas, is now and, and Nelly, what's fascinating to me? I got to let you go. But what's fascinating to me is, is that it in MLS, where for twenty years teams failed to build cultures for whatever reason, because the nature of the league, the the salary budgets, whatever, failed to create an identity for themselves. FC Dallas has done that, and and who knows how long this we're the you know we're the team that makes homegrown talent matter. We're the team that mixes, as you said, these veterans with these kids. We're the team that can play some fun, uh, uh fun, fast soccer with guys like Moro Diaz in the middle and, and uh, Fabian Castillo on the outside. We'll see how long it lasts, but for the time being, if you're an FC Dallas fan, you gotta be pretty happy right now.
0: Yeah, great right, times now.
1: in Frisco. There it Thanks, is. Jason. Appreciate it. Now, just w- I just wish they played in Dallas. I mean, you know, is that wrong of me to wish that they played in Dallas? I don't think so. Jason in Nebraska, you on there? What's up?
2: Hi, Jason. Um, just wanted to ask, first off, did you see, uh, I want to talk about Tottenham, did you see the Delhi Alley goal over this weekend?
1: I did. I did. I did. A <laughs> pretty special goal right there.
2: <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And then uh, just expand upon the point, um, I wanted to ask where you see the Spurs finishing out this year, uh, especially with Bertongan going down injured. I don't think they've announced yet how long he's going to be out, but with kind of the defense being the strongest key of the team, mm-hmm. I wondered if you see them solidifying that fourth slot.
1: I you know uh you know it, it's been such a um uh you know frustrating last what Decade more than that. I mean, obviously, frustrating existence for Spurs fans. But but you know, going back to the year that they made fourth, but were uh uh you know they weren't given a Champions League Champions League spot because Chelsea had won the tournament the pre- previous year. Uh, you know, this it, seems like the year to do it, and I and I think I've said that. I think I've said that Tottenham, if Tottenham is going to grab that Champions League spot again, to get get themselves back into or into that upper echelon and make the jump, it has to be this year because the competition. No, again, nobody seems to want to grab the title. And the competition is, um, you know, weaker from teams like Manchester United and Chelsea and Liverpool. So that there's a gap. There's a giant gap there. I don't know if see. I don't know if I, if I'm a Spurs fan. If I if I if I should hope that Leicester fades and that debts are in, or if it if I really just think that you know Tottenham's got enough now. Because I don't know if i I, mean, I don't know' T- I don't, just can't they, they can't figure out how to be consistent enough they got the injuries to ver- use some missions vertton i and you can't count on two or three guys to score all your goals the way that they've been doing it seems it seems uns- unsustainable
2: definitely definitely and if they don't make it this year you can really see them regretting it because Hard to imagine Chelsea's going to have another down year. Yeah, uh, you figure China's eventually going to figure that out, so uh, they want to kind of. This would be the year, as you some,
1: said. Symbolically too. I mean, to, if they could, and and look, Arsenal's still in it. I think Arsenal. I, I mean, I I have trouble believing in Arsenal the same way I have trouble believing in Spurs. But this might be the year, and for that reason, this might be the year that Spurs. Gets over Arsenal, even if I mean, if you don't make a Champions League spot, it's a disappointment no matter where Arsenal finishes compared to Spurs. But if you can get that Champions League spot and uh, beat out Arsenal on, on points uh, in the league, I think that's that's massive for for Spurs, just in terms of the 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 momentum that they create going forward and being you know the best North London team for a little while.
2: Definitely, definitely, and I think with just hearing all the talk about people even tipping us for the title, that's kind of nervous in itself because we're still like I said, not confident enough yeah. to, well, I mean, to feel like we're gonna get fourth place security.
1: You still you still have fifteen you have still have fifteen matches left. I mean you still have a lot of season left and who knows. I mean uh, again, it's hard to get yourself to believe in Spurs because of their history, but if yep. there was ever a league that's set up for them to finally make that jump, it's this league and this season. And they've, you know, they've got a. They get, there's a five point gap on United right now. That, that at this point in the season, considering the way this league is shaking out, that's pretty big. So it's it's Definitely. that it's that top four. It's making sure you're consolidating that position and, and how Pochettino plays it, especially as you mentioned defensively, uh, remains to be seen. Perfect.
2: perfect. Well, right. thanks so much, Jason. Appreciate uh, stay it. safe and
1: uh, appreciate it. All right, there goes uh, Jason in Nebraska. a Little Spurs action. A six four six. 832 3909 your phone number. We're here for you on a Monday. Uh hopefully um, um again if you're in the if you're in the DC or, or Mid-Atlantic or Northeast, anywhere. I guess I guess everybody in the Northeast got snow. Like I don't know how much Boston got. I know okay, so DC and New York got slammed. Philly got slammed. Obviously, smacked down in the middle. Baltimore got slammed. Um a- again, everybody up and down the East Coast for the for the most part. Okay, so it petered out before it got to New England which is yeah usually the opposite right usually it, it kind of clips it goes above dc dc gets a couple of inches it hits new york and boston that's usually what happens and in this in this case it decided to just go and sit on top of dc for a really long time because it was pretty nuts but I did, not, I did not i did not venture out into the world while it was snowing i think we i think we went outside for about 5 minutes maybe f- <laughs> a couple of minutes um on friday after we had gotten quite uh, some of it but not that much maybe it was saturday yeah it was nuts all right 646 832 3909 premier league definitely um uh definitely lots of things to talk about there again that that liverpool game against norwich quite the craziness uh in in that one I, i i'll admit that i did not wake up in time to catch the bulk of that game and that's that's my fault and i I can't believe I did that. I mean, I, I don't know that I would circle Liverpool Norwich or Norwich Liverpool on my uh, uh, on my schedule. Like, I don't know that I would when I when I'm sketching out my weekend and I'm looking. I, I look, if it's on TV, I should I should. It, it might be worth watching regardless of what I expect for that that game to deliver. But I certainly didn't. I didn't expect five four. I expected. I didn't expect that kind of game. Uh, we also obviously had some, uh, action across the, uh, across the continent of Europe, including Juve winning their 11th straight in the league. And how do we feel about that? How do we feel about Juve dabbing all over the place? Somebody got an opinion on this? Now, I got, I got some, I got some Juve fans in my Twitter feed that are extremely excited that Paul Pogba and, uh, and Dabala and Juve have, have adopted the dab. But I feel like we're I feel like we're rapidly coming the end, to the end of the Dab's lifespan. Like maybe, it, in fact, it might be over already, and it just word hasn't gotten to 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 Juve yet. Like word hasn't gotten to Turin. Maybe we need to send a, a carrier pigeon and let them know that that it's over. Let's go to uh, Aaron in Jersey. Hey Aaron, how are you? How, how much snow did you get, Aaron?
3: Hey. Uh. What about twenty twenty nine 29 inches good, in good uh up. north jersey so that was pretty good uh smashing but you know you guys in dc got you know not just snow but you know 12 12 other things so i did yeah. a little worse yeah. for you yeah.
1: <laughs> what's on your mind today
3: Aaron? um well a couple of uh, interesting things so there's a good article about bob bradley and the times this weekend yeah i haven't had a chance to read it of, you know mm-hmm. yeah you i know, sorry
1: I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's definitely, uh, it's from James Montague, who we've had on the show many times. Great guy. Um, uh, I imagine it's a, a. I imagine it's a good in-depth piece. So, give me a sense of what of what's in there, and, and certainly what you took away.
3: Well, you know, obviously, it's it's a real interesting uh, kind of you know dichotomy between an Amer a real American coach who, but also who's adopted kind of a pure, true European kind of model and and or international coach model in terms of his development and moving his way up the club ladder and, you know, kind of grinding it out. Um, and so, you know, I think it's favorable. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily American readers would think it's favorable, but I think anyone who follows you know, football internationally will look at it as, you know, he's kind of doing the job, you know, it's kind of like he's over there kind of like a uh, Giuseppe Rossi without the same outcomes. Um, or maybe some of them, uh, you know, and he's kind of just, you know, doing his thing, uh, you know, applying his trade. I mean, I, th- I thought it was good and uh, it'd be very interesting to see if he ever really comes back to the States. I mean, my sense in the article is, you know, he wants to build the rest of his career out there and you know, work his way up to <clears throat> big first division, uh, you know, football, you know, managing and I think he will. I mean, uh, he, he clearly, everybody likes him over there. I mean, they, they kind of think he's this unique thing except, for the fact that he's American, which is you know kind of a strange reality, um, but uh, but yeah, so you know the, I, I thought that was an interesting piece, and then like on your pivot on on Juve, uh, you know Italy is, uh, is is a trip right now because it's playing just incredibly competitive football, mm-hmm. but you know these clubs are so uh, financially kind of strapped, and you know they're 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 kind of becoming this super dutch league seeing england and and the, and the super clubs in europe and uh you know it's going to be interesting to see if if the italian um, you know if the whole association can kind of reboot itself financially uh because i think they, they have to i mean I, well, they, they it, just can't compete tv dollars it's with england right
1: it's now. tv dollars but it's also about it's also about infrastructure right i mean this is why Yep. Juve has taken a step up and gotten back certainly to the top level in in Italy and therefore been able to make the leap and, and make a Champions League final and and because they built their own stadium they're controlling all their revenue it's not the crumbling edifice that I mean for all for all the 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 um, you know lore of the San, San Siro it's 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 an albatross around the neck of the Milan clubs
3: having gone there it, it's 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 beautiful having gone seeing all these great you know European uh Historical monuments—it's another one, and it should be put into the football monuments of the world. But yeah, it's a—it's it, like going to you know the Chargers, you know San Diego. It's, a, it's you're going to like a broken stadium. I mean, or or, or locally MSG. It's exactly—it feels exactly like going to MSG. Okay. It's like a great thing when people are in town, but in reality, you're like this place sucks. Um, and and I would just say that I think that's the problem is that the the clubs can't afford the billions it takes to rebuild all these stadiums Mm -hmm. and the country doesn't want to spend the money and uh and the T V dollars are falling and it's a really weird environment when it's a competitive match. I mean um you know my daughter was studying over there and you know she was gonna go to, you know, Roma Lazio and then one of her friends dad who's italian said you you know i don't even go to that match.
1: no don't go and to that
3: people match. like turn up the match it's crazy you know like you get stabbed yeah right. and you know and you just can't like get stabbed when the giants play the jets i mean no, it
2: doesn't no. really work I, for I, you know,
1: that's interesting that you bring that up because i mean uh, you know clearly there's look uh, th- one of the great things about soccer is that it, it does it, it does conjure such passion except You know, obviously, the examples set forth by some European countries aren't always examples we as Americans should be following. And we have this thing now where you know it's it's clear that the direction that MLS is moving in, or NASL or anybody else for that matter, is that the the fans are getting more ardent. And and I'm not saying that they're aping what they see in Europe or what came before, but. Now it's, well, we have to have security and they need proper, we need to properly move fans in and out of the stadium and the way fans need to be segregated and all that stuff. I've been to, you know, 10 or 12 NFL games in my life and, you know, th- that experience can be good or bad. Never once had any issues with segregate. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't something that the NFL works. Maybe, maybe the NFL is going I, to I completely have to.
2: Agree. I agree. I don't know if, you know, if, if we're heading
1: in that direction, Aaron. Maybe, maybe the NFL is going to become more like soccer rather than the other way around.
3: You know, it's very interesting because, I mean, I've been a Steelers fan my whole life, and the Steelers travel really well. And, you know, I've gone to the Jets games, and, you know, I've had people say all kinds of funny stuff and not funny stuff and pour beer, you know, four or five times down my daughter's back with a Steelers gear on. But, you know, and I know that sounds bad, but it really wasn't that bad. It was kind of almost funny. I mean, but I never felt like, oh, you know, we're going to get, you know, like we're going to go to war here. Right. And I'm telling you, going to average European matches, I mean, you do what it boils down to is is, is their true tribal regionality has never really been solved. I mean, they jam these super states together over the last hundred, two hundred years and stop killing each other generally, and you know, but, but but it's not like those those regional passions are really done. Whereas in the states, we kind of done that. And, and what's interesting about MLS is it's it, it it's almost like it's it, it wants the business benefit of that and it doesn't necessarily realize that it might not be the healthiest thing if your goal is to build a more you know balanced brand or over time corporate brand you know corporations don't want to bring their customers and their top salespeople to a place and you know someone's going to throw a sausage at them right I mean, it's, yeah. it's not really the experience you want and uh and to speak of that actually the last thing is uh you know, drug resigning with Montreal, I actually think, um, you know, he's going to do very well next year. I mean, you give him a whole off season and commitment. And, you know, I think Montreal is going to be a really good team next year. And, and it's going to speak interestingly to the defensiveness of MLS. Can they actually put bodies on him? It's almost yeah. kind of like, you know, not Kobe is the wrong analogy, but like Kobe four years ago, right. when you know, mm-hmm. five years ago, when Kobe still had functional skills, um, you know, do you actually double team him? And what does that do? And how does that open up Montreal's games? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd be interested to see your take on that.
1: Well, I mean, that so much of what the impact are going to do this year hinges on Drogba. And I don't know how many games are going to get out of him. um. I I'm I'm going to bet He's going to skip the trip to, you know, probably Portland and Seattle. I mean because you're going to put him on that trip. I mean maybe he even skips the Vancouver trip. Imagine that they play Vancouver at least once in 2016. So you're going to have to pick your spots with him. He is 37 years old, right? I mean it's not it's not like he's going to be out there every single day. Now he got he got he, he got fit and he played 11 times and he was amazing for them. I I think well is relative. I mean if he scores Fifteen—that's that, a pretty good goal t- t- total, but it's not really even about the number of goals he scores. As you said, it's it's sort of the the uh, the, the, the gravity he has within their their setup, and how MLS teams decide to defend him, and whether or not they whether or not Montreal can then capitalize on the space that's going to open up because hey, there's two center backs closing down on Didier Drogba. Look at that gap—that's you know uh, up at the up the right channel, that kind of thing.
3: It, it It almost reminds me of uh, kind of Jerry Rice at the end of his career when people like at first were saying, Oh well, whatever, he's like forty and then he had like eighty five catches and was like tearing people up, but not like you said in all all in, in, in every game. It was kind of those spots, but those spots yeah. kind of like screwed teams up even more because they didn't know like how much of him they were going to get that week, but they still had a game plan for him and flip everything upside down. And then he'd come in and then he wouldn't come in. And it's almost like, I think the drug book could have this interesting role where maybe at home, he starts almost everything. Cause it's like yeah. at home, he takes like a chauffeured car and he gets his masseuse and gets ready for the game and yeah. shots or whatever he needs. And then on the road, It's like, you know, every other game he goes, and you know, he plays maybe, you know, the last third of the game or, you know, kind of the shock roll. And uh, I just think it it was obvious last year that people just didn't have any solutions for him. Um, The moment he was out in space and, you know, and it wasn't just like speed, it was really physicality and and that kind of like one or two quick steps he had with the ball and, and how he just kind of owned space. And you just saw... Goalkeeper, you just saw the whole defense collapse around him. And, you know, he's still a big guy. He still probably can jump 30, 35 inches. And, you know, you put the ball up, a guy that big, and, you know, how many reps are going to really call him pushing
2: off too much?
1: And he's got that full bag of tricks. I mean, I I hate to be cliche about an experienced player. I mean, I think Dragba has been using that that understanding of, of what he can get away with and when he can get away with it for his entire career. So I don't know necessarily putting this on on experience. I'm putting this on the quality of Didier Drogba as a as a as a player, as a striker, as a as a target and, forward.
3: And you know what's going to be interesting about him is that if he if he really is evolving into kind of this coach player role is is you give him a full off season, it's it's how he's able to work with the younger you know less experienced players in Montreal, both offensively and defensively. Mm. You know, it's that if, you know, I remember reading this article years ago about, go back to American football, but, you know, Jerry, about Charles Woodson talking about, you know, working with Jerry Rice when Jerry Rice was at the end of his career at the Raiders. And Charles Woodson said in, like, two and a half years, he learned more about football around Jerry Rice than he learned in his whole career. Mm-hmm. Because it was just like he had to face this guy with this, like like you said, this bag of tricks. And, and you know, and that just shaped his whole capability. I'd be interested to see over time if he's there another season, how the, how the defenders of Montreal kind of evolved, how, um, you know, the rest of the players evolved having a, this kind of Jedi guy around. I mean, I always find that fascinating and I actually think it'd be great to have a Canadian team, you know, I mean, obviously Montreal did well in, uh, in, in, the, in, in, the CONCACAF and stuff, but, uh, you know, a, a Canadian team really push, you know, American teams, yep. um,
1: We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, again, it's going to get a full season. I appreciate the call, Aaron. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. There goes Aaron in Jersey. Always good to talk to him. Uh, wide range of topics there. Uh, fantastic. 646-832-3909. Apparently we're having a little bit of an issue with our connection today. Maybe that's the snow. I I don't, I don't know. Seems to be freezing up. Um, and Trevor's had to reconnect a couple of times. So if you're watching the, the live stream, I apologize for that. Apologize. We will have the full uh, experience on the podcast, obviously, at worldsoccertalk.com, com, et cetera, et cetera. 646-832-3909. Let me see what else I've, uh, I've got here on a Monday. Again, um, you know, we covered the Premier League a little bit. We talked Drogba. We talked Juve. I haven't really talked about La Liga yet. Didn't get a chance to see any of this the week, this weekend. What, what is this story that I saw about James Rodriguez having to hit back over allegations about his weight or something, like criticism about his weight. people are calling Hamas Rodriguez fat. Is that a thing? Like can I just what happens if I Google I'm just gonna just for the heck of it, I'm gonna Google uh Hamas Rodriguez fat and see what I get. Hold on one second. Let me just this is this is this is quality live radio right here. This is me Googling something um while I'm on the air so that we can both uh, learn about whether or not people are calling Hamas Rodriguez fat. Hamas Rodriguez at gold dot com. <laughs> Here we go. I, I I can't believe this. I mean, Hamas uh, uh, Rodriguez is is probably the most mentioned player among my female acquaintances in terms of physical attractiveness, and now apparently he's fat? Hamas Rodriguez, Rodriguez has been the subject of persistent negative rumors in recent weeks, and he has slammed critics that label him as fat. Okay. He's struggling to make an impact in the first team at the Santiago Bernabeu. Uh, reports of overindulgence in nightlife and criticism of his physical condition are rife. The talk really bothers me. Everyone who's close to me knows how I act and that I always look to take good care of myself. I'm a great professional. What's been said about me going out a lot at night is a lie. It pisses me off that people doubt me and say I am fat. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what a sport, seriously. 6468323909. I mean, we had Fat Frank for years. It was always the allegation that Frank Lampard was fat, right? Except he never really was fat. Not not the way that and again, we know the reasons why medical condition, everything else, but not, you know, not the way that Ronaldo was fat at the end. Certainly not the way that uh, we've seen fat players. Okay. Hamas Roddick, at least not recently. I haven't seen Hamas Roddick. I mean, is he carrying an extra couple of pounds? I don't know. Is that impacting his, his play? Are we right as fans to call out players for being fat or? Do we need a new word? Maybe we need a new word. Because when a, when a soccer player, when a footballer is fat, when a footballer is fat, they're not really fat. When a footballer is fat, they're just a little extra maybe there. Seriously, the what's going on with the snow and, and, and the system here? Six four six We'll see if we can make it through to 10 o'clock on a Monday. Uh, I, I mentioned MLS camps getting underway. A uh, lot to look forward to for a lot of teams in twenty sixteen. And 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 I know I I re, I know that that Jurgen Klinsman laments the length of the MLS season, says it's not long enough, certainly for teams that don't make the playoffs. I know that we have a longer off season than than European leagues certainly, than than Mexico we you know, certainly. The the MLS and the off season are a question that people ask regularly but i still feel like we just had mls cup i mean i i, I realize it, it i don't know games games in mls don't start until march and maybe that's what it is But well, the, the training camps are starting now we don't get games till march that's obviously a long a long time so there's there's 3 months here of no competitive soccer and for for jürgen klinsmann it, it remains an issue that uh that he has to talk about pretty significantly i we went through the response, the Jordan Morris saga slash response from Jurgen Klinsman about whether or not he uh, uh, is anti MLS. Uh, having to reach out to Merritt Paulson after Merritt Paulson's comments about Jurgen Klinsman's program of, of MLS hate, I guess is, is certainly how he characterized it, said that, that Jurgen Klinsman doesn't have any support within the MLS ownership community. And I don't know if he needs to or not. Uh, that that is part of the whole discussion with the, the MLS offseason, obviously, and it's only, it it's it's certainly worthwhile for Jurgen Klinsmann to be a driving force between MLS getting better if he has any control, of that, not any control, but any influence at all. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Gringo Mark, <clears throat> how Omar Gonzalez? How about Omar Gonzalez against America? Uh, Ventura continues to struggle, but is getting minutes. Villafania and Bordenstein with solid games. The American contingent in Mexico is doing pretty well right now. I don't know how Luis Gil, uh, Gil is doing, but I know that Omar Gonzalez has hit the ground running for Pachuca, and it's playing very well for them. And I think that um, we will see, continue to see um, a movement of American players to Mexico when the conditions are right for said moves. I mean, it has to be. Uh it, it has to you know, Armor Gonzalez makes sense and because of his uh his his Mexican heritage, obviously you have Luis Gill with the same sort of connections, uh Jonathan Bornstein, but will we see more players like DeMarcus Beasley? That's that's a question. Let's go to Al, who's not there obviously anymore. And Missouri. Hey Al.
4: Hey, what's going on? I wanna talk about Leicester City. The team that's kinda, you know
1: All right. Leicester. First of all it's Leicester, Al. Just to get just to clear Lester, up. Leicester, I'm Lester. gonna say
4: Leicester, sorry. Leicester City. There you go. I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm i have been you know, last two years I haven't been following EPL, you know, I've been watching um League. but I'm enjoying what Le City City's doing right now. Yeah, right. And I think it's fun. it'd be great if they won if they won the EPL this year.
1: I think so. I mean I, don't I, if, I, I think that... I don't I, know if they're gonna I think that league needs a shake up. I'm just I'm just I think that league needs a shake up in a, in, in and I think that that in general this is look I, I understand that the quality of the soccer is the best in the world in places like Germany um in Spain and England but when when we get and, and Atletico Madrid has shaken things up a bit in Spain so give them credit for that. But when we get Bayern Munich yeah. winning every year, when we get Barcelona Real Madrid winning every year, when we get you know the same three teams winning the Premier League every year. I get bored. I get, I'm bored with that. I want to see yeah, something different.
4: I get bored too. But you know, seeing Leicester City doing it, you know, I mean, this is what that what um, European soccer needs is parity. You need a little bit of parity and everything. I'd like to see a small club team like Leicester City go ahead and win it, win the EPL. And as you said. Atletico Madrid, you know they. Atletico Madrid, I wouldn't say they're a super powerhouse um, club in um in La Liga, but at least you know every year they're in contention.
1: Yeah, they, contention they've turned they've turned themselves into a competitor with the two biggest clubs uh, in the world. And, and and again, I mentioned this last week. Let me just pull up these numbers here for you, Al, because the uh, so Deloitte does the. Football Money League every year, which is basically just a ranking of of the world's teams by their revenue. Uh, and in the newest uh, the newest um, rankings came out uh, last week, and Real Madrid and Barcelona at the top of that list. Out of the you know the top, the, the, their revenues um, outstrip everybody else in the world. Yes, uh, five hundred and seventy seven. Hold on a second here. I had the the copy up. Uh, five hundred and seventy seven million euros. Uh, for for Real Madrid in 2014-15. Uh, if you look at, I'm just trying to find the rankings here. My apologies. I think Atletico Madrid is in there. They are in there. Let me just back yeah. this out. Um I'm trying to read their weird document that they've got going on here. All right, here we go. So you've got Real Madrid at the top, Barcelona number two, uh, Manchester United who took a dip but is expected to go back up uh in number at number 3 Atletico is number number 15. Okay, so so I just said Real Madrid's revenue in 2014-15 was 577 million euros. Barcelona's yeah. was Barcelona's was 560.8 million euros. Eight, uh, Atletico Madrid in number 50 at the number 15 spot, which where they were last year as well. Their revenue 187 million euros. So we're talking about, you know, we're talking about thirty percent of what Real Madrid and Barcelona are are bringing in year to year, and and yet here they are competing. And that's good. That, that's good. I mean, if you can, if we can reach a place where European teams can find other ways to to create an advantage, or you know, be more efficient with what resources they have, and create some parity, I think that Europe, I think you know, it gets a lot more interesting for people.
4: It does. It does. I remember one year ago. They brought in players like um, um, Diego Forlán a couple of years ago. I know he was getting old at that time, but he was he played pretty well, you know. And and plus also too, you know, Atlético Madrid, you know, used to be used to be always in condition in the um, UEFA um, Europa League too. Yeah,
1: uh, there's there's that absolutely. All right, sorry, I got distracted by some tweets here. What else you got for me?
4: about it all right man
1: yeah well it's uh it's an interesting year uh in england with leicester city hanging on uh at Good the top of the, uh, top of the top of the table great yeah there goes allen in missouri so, uh, 646-832-3909 all right so you've got um you've got some some news out of out of new england today that i think is interesting um the the new england revolution have have signed sambinha a uh defender uh on loan from Sporting in Portugal. Uh this is going to obviously boost their their back line. Now, uh Edward on Twitter, everyone is saying Sam would move Farrell uh, for, uh Farrell to right back, but do you think he also might make an outstanding center defensive mid? I don't, I like I like Andrew Farrell in the back line. I'm not, I don't want Andrew Farrell having to play at another position. I mean, there was he was back and forth and he look versatile kid. I'm glad to see him having uh you know success uh with the revolution in two spots cuz that's not easy. Uh, being asked at you know at that age to play right back, center back, right back, center back. Uh, you may have even thrown in some left back in there. I don't even know. I think mostly right back and center back. Uh, what the other news on Andrew Farrell that that's interesting is um, I just uh, just favored a story uh, on Twitter. Let me see. Uh, let me see where I can find my favorites so I can give you a sense. Okay, it's at uh, New England Soccer Today, N.E. Soccer Today, uh, from my um, from uh, my friend Brian O'Connell. Headline, Farrell Conflicted on Peru Interest. Andrew Farrell's got interest. He's got citizenship. He is eligible for the Peruvian national team. If that's a surprise to you, go back and read his story. It's a pretty fascinating one. He was born in Louisville, Kentucky, but he lived in Peru with his family for 11 years as a kid um, and apparently would be eligible for citizenship, and Peru has been uh, expressing some interest. Andrew Farrell has not yet gotten a full look or or made his way into the national team rotation for the United States of America and while i understand that the united states is not super deep i think that maybe he might see himself getting more time and having i mean you you play for peru you could play in a copa america i mean it doesn't mean that you're going to um go to a world cup anytime soon it doesn't there are certainly some limitations to playing for a country like peru which is, you know, second tier at best in in one of the toughest regions in the world, but there um, there might be something there for him as well. I have not read the story, but um, let, let me see what I've got here. Um, da, da, da. He said he doesn't quite know which country he'd pled, pledge allegiance to if all things were equal. That's a good question. I haven't even thought about that. It's a huge part of a huge goal of mine to play at the international level, and so just hearing these rumblings uh, about Peruvian interest is pretty exciting. So that in general it's just used for me. I'll use it as motivation to keep pushing myself to be a better better player for the Revs. All right. So I wonder how American fans will feel about this, potentially losing out on a player like Andrew Farrell, who I think has some potential to be a a pretty solid US Men's National Team player. I don't know that we're looking at a star at the national team level, but I think that it it certainly um Certainly is a guy who Jurgen Klinsmann probably should give some more run to. Fast, physical, uh, a good head on his shoulders. I'm not sure he's the most technical player around. Maybe that's what Klinsmann Klinsmann wants and doesn't see out of a guy like Andrew Farrell, which is ultimately going to prevent him from making his way into the U.S. men's national team, which may in the end push him to Peru. Uh, I'm not sure. What's Peru's ranking right now? I mean, not that it has anything to do with Andrew Farrell's decision not uh, uh, necessarily I'm just kind of curious trevor give me a guess where do you think peru is i just want to see how close you can get the peruvian national team which is called la Blanquiroja, because they are the white and red Let's see trevor trevor no guess all right fine they are currently ranked okay he says 36 not not too bad they're currently ranked number 47 in the world Uh, that is up ten spots, as a matter of fact. Their highest ranking ever, nineteenth in July of 2013. So not that long since they were ranked in the top 20. Now we know FIFA rankings, et cetera, et cetera, but they're ranked 47 in the world. Um, so that's a you know that's it's a middling country with the potential to get better, clearly. And they've had some they have some of the best kits in the world with the red stripe with the uh, the red uh, sash. I mean I'd go if if Andrew Farrell became a Peruvian international I'd go buy a Peruvian national team kit with Farrell on the back. I think I would do that. Just to have a Peruvian kit because I like them and because it's Andrew Farrell who I like as a player, plays in MLS. Yeah. But it'd be interesting though to see another American eligible well okay. Another player who grew up in the United States and played soccer here turnout for a south american country because i'm thinking of uh, from the revolution because i'm thinking of diego fegundes obviously now diego Fagundes's situation made more complicated by the fact that he's not a citizen uh or wasn't a citizen at the time that he started taking um uruguay up on their offer of playing for the u20s i don't know where diego Fagundes is right now in terms of the uruguayan uruguayan hierarchy and and whether or not we're ever going to see him Turn out for the full national team. of That would be pretty fascinating. Pretty amazing. Uh, let's see. Robert on Twitter. <laughs> it's a good place to close out. It's been, uh, it's been one of those shows. You wear glasses sometimes. Have you ever been in a situation where you lost your glasses like Klopp lost his? Klopp lost his in a dog pile. Or in, a, in a wild celebration over the winter against Norwich. I do not believe I've ever lost my glasses in a wild celebration. And that might say something about my life because maybe I don't have certain things to wildly celebrate. Like I don't, I am not, think about the liberating nature of being a coach of a professional sport at that level because, or any level really, or a coach, it doesn't even have to be professional. I mean, you could be a high school coach. What other job gives you the, the freedom to run around like a crazy person and celebrate like Jurgen Klopp did? a a, gro- a grown man on the field at Carroll Road going absolutely bonkers with his players No other, I can't think of another job that lets you do that right just just coaching sports I should be coaching not, not talking about it I can't wildly celebrate here I don't have the room anyway I knock stuff over alright that's going to do it for a Monday edition of Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com thank you very much for listening thanks to everybody who called in and uh, you know as I said if you're in the mid-Atlantic, northeast areas that have gotten uh, slammed by snow. Be safe out there. Make sure you're making good decisions. If you're shoveling, take a break every now and then. We don't want anybody keeling over. Soccer Morning, worldsoccertalk.com. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye.